Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Brown Girls Read Book Club. Today, we have a phenomenal special guest, Miss Sarah Butler. Mrs. Butler is the Director of Academic and Career Enrichment Services at the University of South Carolina Upstate. She ascribes to the Caribbean proverb, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Sarah, welcome to the book club. Thank you. Um, I love that proverb. Tell us why did you choose that particular one? So I think it comes from my grandmother, um, my mother's mother, who had us volunteering for a long time <laughs> before I knew that you could get paid for something. And it, she kind of talked about, you know, it doesn't matter if you're getting paid for something, you know, and all that you do, you want to try to do your best. And I would say, well, what if you're just not good at something? And she talked about, you know, actually doing better at what you're trying to do. Like, it's okay if you're good. It's okay. You know, when you're good, you want to try to get better. And I'm just like, okay, I'm already better. It's like, okay, that's how you get to your best. And then I stumble upon that uh, proverb. I didn't know that there was such a thing that existed. And it came together so nicely. And it just kind of wove what she had been teaching me over the years um to to just really strive for that you know until your good is better and your better is best and so I just try to keep that with me you know with everything that I do I just think that is wonderful especially when we're talking to our young girls who sometimes just want to sit back and settle for being good but you can always be better and you can always reach your best if you (laughs) if you apply yourself so Sarah as you know we've been reading The Skin I'm In by Sharon Flake And it's about this teenager who's being bullied. And I know for myself, I can relate to being bullied. You know, even in school, I was bullied because my voice is deep. So I was called froggy all the way through middle school because for them, I had a deep voice. Um, But can you relate to being bullied? And why were you bullied? And how did you handle it? Oh, multiple reasons why I was bullied. And... Well, actually, I don't know why I was bullied. I just know that I was. And I'm from a very rural town, tiny town in West Virginia. And there's just not a lot of Black folk there. Um, There's probably a population of about Mm 6,000. And out of those 6,000, there are are just very few. It's kind of a running joke. Like all the Black folk know each other are related. Which is probably true, you know, so I was just like, I like that guy, I can't, because we might be cousins, and sure enough, you go to the family reunion in the summer, you're like, I knew it! (laughs) Um, But in elementary school, uh, I was bullied for my looks, Um, not really anything in particular like that, but I mean, like, my nose um, and my hair, they just could not understand, like why is your hair oily or even some habits that you learn over time just not knowing enough about black culture you know like yeah there's this thing called hair grease and yes this blue magic is green (laughs) (laughs) and I gotta grease my scalp and it's a thing and having coarse hair like I can't do much about that Yes, I'm wearing the same hairstyle today as I wore yesterday, as I wore the day before. It doesn't mean that my hair is dirty, you know? So 
there would there would be some things and I, I think in middle school I decided to try to educate some of the people that I called friends mm-hmm. and I will never forget in seventh grade there were girls I was in the school band and there were some girls I became familiar with and they were like Sarah I gotta ask you a question we, we have some questions <laughs> this is before black girl magic was a thing um, but they were like can, can I ask you something and go ahead do black girls shave their legs? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I can't speak for all black girls, but this black girl does because yeah. I have certain hygiene things that I want to take care of. Right. And I was like, well, yeah, black women shave legs, armpits, you know, other things. I was like, there are other things I don't choose to shave, but this is what I'm shaving. Right. You know, and they had, they just assumed like my father wasn't in the picture because they didn't see him. They're like, well, we never see him bring you to school. And I'm like, it's because my dad's blind. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm not, I mean, my dad, like he's blind. He's not, he, he's not incapacitated. You know, he's not in, in prison or anything like that. He just can't drive me to school, but he's in my life each and every day. So it was um, a, a lot of things, but specifically the thing that has stuck with me the most is being teased about my nose they just thought I was too big yeah I mean it it would be I have a thing against monkeys and gorillas now poor poor species but I really struggle when people are like look at that monkey isn't like if we're at a zoo I'm just like they're talking about me but they're not no one is now but at the time I was called monkey gorilla you got a gorilla nose all the time you can smell everything like what your feet smell like just the things that were said like these kids were just cruel and mean they just found one thing Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how nice I was how kind or whatever they found that one thing and they just they just honed it and just beat it to the ground I'm like really I can't do anything about my what's wrong with my nose exactly and why always the animal comparisons i don't know like i said i was froggy so i was compared to a frog <laughs> which is funny now but it was painful then it was painful at the time. Yeah. and then you with the gorilla and the monkey because you know it is crazy but i do agree it's a lack of education mm-hmm. in a in a lot of areas and then kids are just mean they really They're can be mean. yeah they you really know? can be so in the case of malika Um, She was very insecure about her dark skin color. And being a woman with a light complexion, as you are, have you found that your lighter skin made your teenage years a little easier and maybe people accepted you more because your skin was of a lighter complexion? Nope, not at all. In my town, um, because there were a lot of biracial relationships. Now, if you're biracial, like you're black. Right. It exactly. don't matter. <laughs> it that one drop of black blood. You're that black. If, you, if your hair is wavy, kinky, curly, it don't <laughs> matter. You black. It, 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 it doesn't matter. Um, and it didn't, it didn't help. It didn't make things easier. I had to become more affirmed in who I was. I, I just did. I remember having a whole conversation with a girl who I viewed as my nemesis because I was like, she just will not let this go. And she tried to come to me for my hair and she was like I cannot believe your hair is so greasy like what is this I was like it's called taking care of myself I was like it shows how much you do not know about anybody other than yourself I was like but if you did know you know that 
this is actually healthy hair and that's why it's growing and it's long and yes i wash my hair and it's once a week and it's not considered disgusting like this is what i'm supposed to be doing and i need you to get a clue but it took a lot like my heart's beating in my chest trying to tell her about myself and you're trying to explain just being yes like let me exist let me do me right but i also think that she viewed me as a threat and i didn't i didn't see it like that it's all the boys seemed to like her you know i ended up settling for not having crushes you know Mm -hmm. there was nothing in my family and and i think that's so important too like understanding who you are within your your family if you're coming from a family of support it made such a difference because if i didn't know who i was when i got home i don't think i would have survived at school and you spend a lot of time at school but like I had older sisters and my older sisters were doing the same things I was doing. My mom, my grandmothers, I have a whole big family. All my cousins are doing, like we sitting down, plaiting each other's hair. This is what we do. Then I'm going to, you know, we grew up in a Pentecostal church. So like, there's a lot more people that look like me in this space. And even though my best friend is white, she's Jewish Mm -hmm. and so she, She's like, I kind of relate to them, but I'm like, no, not really. You know, she's like <laughs> Jewish by religion and, and culture and heritage of blood, bloodline. But it just, because I spent most of my life with her and there wasn't that judgment, she's like, well, you're you. Right. And I'm me. Because there's some things that I, I can't do. And there's some things that you can't do. It just never crossed her mind. Like, oh, you're that different. To me, like, we're soul sisters. And so... Mm-hmm. With seeing that type of support, I had a better understanding of who I was, but it was always tested at school and usually tested with one or two people. And it seems like it's it's wearing me down a lot. But for me, I had to learn not everybody thinks like those narrow-minded people. And that is true. I totally agree with that. We can't judge everyone by one or two. Um, now, that's you as a child. But now you're a fully grown woman, successful woman in your career. You're here at a university. You're a director. Do you think your complexion has added to your success, hindered it, or what do you think? Um, I don't think that it has helped. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It, It hasn't helped. I know that I've had to push myself into conversations Um, there's actually a current situation where um, there was an opportunity to be elected to serve on something called staff senate Mm -hmm. and it's like a a voice a body of people that represent the staff here at the institution you know Mm -hmm. faculty have faculty senate staff or having staff senate and it's a it's an opportunity to hear from the staff now if you look at the census of the university it's like oh UCF State's pretty diverse you know you have this and that and so i asked individuals the other staff members who i have good report can you write in support of me being on staff council and so they did and that was great and there were supposed to be elections but there weren't and then the when everything was settled and done there was a photo roster that was sent out. And I'm like, oh, look, our senators. And I am one. The only one? The only one. (laughs) And I'm like, really? 
this is how we are really okay there might be another but I, it is it is starkly different and so i realized i have to wear multiple hats but another thing like representation matters and so i'm i'm always at a crossroad like do i get frustrated because i'm the only one yeah. again you know and i went through college you know again black girl from West Virginia. Yes, there are black girls there, but they are hard to find like diamonds in the rough. And I went to a college in West Virginia and there were multiple times where I was the only black person in the college classroom. Often. Let me ask you a question. Do you think you're the only one because you're light complexion? No. Or just they had to pick one. So you were the lucky You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty verbal. Um, and I do a lot of pushing and shoving of, you know, my peers who have good ideas and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I don't think complexion has anything to do with it. There's kind of, I think within the black community, there's some colorism sometimes. I mean, it just kind of is something that was, you know, bred from slavery and whatnot. Just another way to divide. Mm-hmm. But from other people who are not black, it's like you black. Right. Exactly. No matter what. Yeah. any range of melanin we pick from the lightest of the light mm-hmm. if you look like you gotta drop you're it right even if i felt like i identified with white culture more visually it's like you're black you you must be xyz mm-hmm. and so even in a professional sense i realize that i have to vocalize that disparity okay. often and even when they use phrases like, there's a lot of talent in the room. I'm just like, but I look around to my left and to my right. And I don't see the visual representation that I need to see, whether it be with all men, all women. I look at how the, the various things that I represent. And usually it's like, how do you identify yourself? And I typically identify myself as a black cisgender woman. Okay. From the top. Okay. That I'm I'm looking at that. And then I look to see if is there anybody else who represents any of the entities I'm part of. And in in many cases, there's just like nothing. Oh, that is so sad. <laughs> it though. is sad. And then I try to do a little bit deeper. I'm like, well, somebody has to be biracial here, or maybe from another country, or they have to be indigenous of somewhere else. Right. And I'm I'm looking, I was like, well, maybe there's an LGBTQ vibe that I don't know about. Maybe they know. Maybe we got that. Maybe there's a different religion. Maybe there's a <laughs> disability we don't know about. I'm just looking for something. something. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I can't be the only one. But in many cases, it still, it, it just still is. I know it irritates me when I walk into a business, say a doctor's office or just some type of business and I look around and there's nobody in that office that looks like me. No. I'm like, you do not get one resume or application. Not a one? Come no. on now. Nowhere? Can I? So that, that's really disheartening, but we see it every day. Every day, yes, every day. And we just have to learn to pull each other up Absolutely. in this struggle. And I will keep pushing until we, you know, it has to move the needle. Like, it it can't continue to be the same but that's 
that's what gives me fuel because I continue to see myself as the only one, you know, and I get asked things that I think are silly. So, you know, I facilitate also for the city of Spartanburg, the Amplify African-American Business Accelerator. There's African-American in the name for a reason. And there's a huge disparity when it comes to small black owned businesses and getting access to, you know, capital. But I was literally approached by someone and they were like, we need one for white people. Nah, dog, y'all got everything else. This is specifically for black folk. Now, why do you think, speaking of that, why do you think there's always an issue when black people try to have something that is of their own? But when we try to infiltrate or be a part of something that is predominantly Caucasian, were looked at side-eyed. Why is that? I I feel like it often comes down to how much power can... It it, it comes down to power. If it's something that the majority doesn't view as valuable, it's okay for you to have that. But if it's something that makes it look like our power is threatened... And I mean... The, the term power seems powerful, but it's really just, you know, authority, permission, mm-hmm. and I dare say privilege <laughs> to do certain things. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's all it is. It's right. just, power is just the ability, the permission, the privilege to do certain things, not even have to think, you know, twice about it. Right. And when that power is relinquished, and I would even say just people of color. When they take that one thing that nobody wants, the rubbish and and turn, you know, taking treasure and turning, I mean, trash and turning it into treasure, then it's like, well, we really didn't want to give that up. We just really, that's ours. And we want that ownership or whatnot. Or whenever people of color or black folk in particular, because that's my, that's what I can speak to and not other cultures. But when we take and foster and mold and um, just really garden, like really toil and sow into something and it's growing and it's looking great, then they want to get on a bandwagon. Or tear it down. Yes. Let's not leave yes. that out. Or there's, tear it down. there's the bandwagoners. I was like, I've been with this all along. No, you haven't. Go sit down somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or you have those who are like, this must be stopped. Exactly. <laughs> we have to get in the way of this. That's mm-hmm. why we threw it away in the first place. It should never be resurrected. And so it is, um, it's definitely not easy. But again, you know, I go back to knowing unequivocally who you are and standing in that. And I also make it a point in those spaces to, you know, kind of stand up like, I know I was the token Black person to represent everyone, but not all Black people are monolithic. We all come from different areas, backgrounds, experiences, you know, two-parent household, single parent. Some people raised by the grandparents. Some people raised by a dad or an aunt or an uncle. You know, we got play cousins and stuff. Exactly. You know, my Mm -hmm. child is like, I got all these uncles. He doesn't know that these are really close friends, you know, but he, as he grows up, that's your uncle, honey. Right. That's, that's your uncle. As far as you know, that's your uncle. You go call him uncle so-and-so. And 
it's part of our DNA. And the reason why I say that is because even being from a teeny tiny town, when I got around other Black people who I never knew and we were responding in the same ways, I'm like, oh, this is culture. This Wonderful. is what we talking about. <laughs> oh, these are my people. This is my tribe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Someone who gets me. Like, no, we may not have the same upbringing to, together all the time, but I don't have to explain my bonnet to somebody else. I don't have to explain that. I don't have to explain certain, you know, when I go into a store, I don't get my makeup from Walmart because they're not going to have my complexion. Exactly. They're just not going to have it. <laughs> I'm not going to... The importance of lotion. Like, it, it is a clear... Even in my... I'm even going to say a couple of months ago, I had a colleague, white colleague, it's important to state that for the purposes of this story, who was like, I, I'm just going to give away all my lotion. I'm like, why? And me and another black... Colleague, look at her like we're why? Why would you we do that? This is good stuff. Exactly. And she's like, I just never use it. I'm like, what do you mean you never use it? Like, explain. Like, I just, I just don't use. It. I was like, you wake up every day just ashy. Like, is that is that what we doing? Like, what your feet look like? You know what I mean? Like, I have lotion and oil and Vaseline on regular rotation. Thank you. You know, they're like, oh, I only use Vaseline when it's cracked. I'm like, no, no, we use Vaseline so we don't get cracked. Oh. I only use Vaseline on my hand. I use Vaseline everywhere. Everywhere. Elbows, my, my heels. Heels. Yes, oh my ma'am. <laughs> and if you mess around something, get a little crack. In between those toes, you know, work it out. Oh, in between the Yes. Hands, the finger. Put the Vaseline on that, honey. Mm-hmm. By all means. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's refreshing when it, it, it's not just you know, Black Americans, there are things that transcend with Black culture, even from country to country. And that is what is so amazing about us and Black people. Um, and I, the you know how people talk about hating, but it is they even hate just because they don't because they don't understand. Yes, not being in is what makes it difficult for them. It's the lack of understanding. So let me ask you: Do you have a mantra, a belief system that reminds you that you are wonderfully and beautifully made? You know, I I don't just have one because I'm a person who likes various quotes and, you know, my mood changes with the wind sometimes. But I really go back to things. That, uh, my spiritual background is very helpful. But I go back to conversations that I have with the women that I respect in my family. And there is one phrase in particular that I I go after all the time and it's like if you want something you never got you got to do something you've never done Amen to that. Mm-hmm. and some things that I've attempted to do or tried to do have been very uncomfortable and I used to think it was uncomfortable for me like I'm not comfortable with this but really when I looked at it I didn't like making other people uncomfortable. I was, for a long time, especially in middle school and high school, I was a go with the flow, carefree, 
you know, you said the N word, I'm going to come talk to you about it, you know, not embarrass you in front of everybody. Or like maybe you said it and I let it slide and maybe I cringed. I didn't really speak up, you know, and then you're using it more often. And that would come back to me. Like if you, if you want something you never got, you got to do something you've never done. So if you want respect that you've never gotten, you are going to have to do something differently. If you want people to view you in a particular way or like, you're going to have to do something you've never done, whether it's with your goals, whether it's pursuing education, um, having a confidence to talk to a particular person. Like I have a right to be in certain rooms where conversations are being held about me. I should have a say. Mm -hmm. Even in my day to day, there was something that, you know, I thought my experience and knowledge would have contributed to. And the group, the the people who were given the assignment were like, I got to do this. And so I stepped in and said, I think I can add value. And they're like, absolutely. I'm, I'm so sorry we didn't ask you. And sometimes people are just unaware of asking. They're, they don't know how to ask who to ask they're afraid of not being you know politically correct and i'm much more forgiving of somebody who asks questions than somebody who just assumes right you just assume that i'm stupid you just assume that i don't know right mm. yeah when all you have to do is ask a question yeah. or have a conversation not necessarily a question but a conversation mm-hmm. a lot of times um sarah before we close what advice would you give to other little girls that are being bullied because of the color of their skin that's that's really tough and I've been thinking about this for a bit and I would I would really just say that within yourself if something feels wrong like deep down to your core and it doesn't sound right it doesn't look right it doesn't feel right then it probably isn't right and I do believe that everybody feels like what they do is right the person who was bullying them or being mean to them or, you know, treating them a certain way feels like what they're doing is right. They feel justified in doing what they're doing. So you also need to do what you feel is right. And correct them. And correct them. That's right. And stand up for it. There was a certain point where I had to say, I, I, I was being bullied. And it, I think about this situation And this is why I don't really have a mantra, but I have a particular situation. And it was the end of my sixth grade year. And I attribute this moment to the pivotal point in my life. And I was being bullied. I don't know where this girl is. Her name's Alicia. She had failed sixth grade twice. So she should have been in eighth grade. Oh my gosh. White girl named Alicia. And she made it her business to terrorize everyone. She always missed school for various reasons. I didn't know what was going on at home, but I knew it was a lot. And she was the type of bully that made you be a bully. If she selected you to be part of her crew, Mm -hmm. she made you be a bully. And that's what I had become. And I wasn't really comfortable with it, but I didn't want to get beat up either. Right. And I was like, I want to be embarrassed for the school. So I became part of her little entourage picking on other people that I actually really liked and I was actually a good student and she wasn't so in some ways like I related to Malika because I was doing some of Alicia's homework 
just as Malika was doing at, just as, at, just as she was doing that and I'm just and I would still go meet up with Alicia too like she would come over here and do this and I'm like okay and I really didn't want it did not feel right but she pushed me to the limit and it was the end of sixth grade and we had a sunny day and we went outside and we played and I talked to people I hadn't really talked to all year and I was like I'm sorry I've ever treated you like that we had things in common and here come Alicia toward the end of it, coming to wreak havoc again and pushing people down, saying that they're stupid, cussing at them, all kinds of foolishness. So we're walking back inside and she says, I'm tired and I'm sweaty. Carry me. And I was like, I ain't carrying you. Carry me. She said, carry me. I was like, ain't nobody carrying you. She's like, carry me on your back. And she said, if you don't carry me, I'm going to beat your A. And that, for whatever reason, the whole year, I had like complied with whatever she said. But in that moment, I was like, this is it. Enough is enough. And I looked at her, I said, I am not carrying you on my back. I am not a slave. And if you're going to beat my ass, you're going to do it today. Come on, girl. And her threats were idle. And she's just yelling and fussing at me. And then the people who I had, who became my friends, like, don't worry about her. You know, and it, all it took was that moment of me standing up for myself. I had to do something different. I had to establish the reason for respect. Do you know I've not seen her ever since that day? Oh my goodness. So, but you know, your mom has always told you growing up, your mother, your grandmother, they've always told you, as long as you stand up to a bully, they'll back off. But if you let them continue to bully you, they'll continue to do stuff. And that's as a child and as an adult. As an adult. Bullies don't. Listen, these people who were bullies in middle school, high school and stuff like that, they become adult bullies. Mm -hmm. So you don't just grow out of being a bully. That is so sad. But Sarah, thank you so much for joining us here at the book club. Thank you. Everyone, thank you for being here. And... I look forward to next week when we continue to discuss the skin I'm in. Until then, have a blessed week.